Hello everyone and welcome to Now You're Playing With Power, a Nintendo podcast brought to you from up north and down south. Uh, my name is NBZ and uh, I'm your host as per the usual. And uh, yeah, we've got a, a show for you this week. It probably won't run as long as the last one because that was a special and we uh, went a little overboard on, on our feature topic. But it was worth it and uh, I think it... Uh, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. So, anyway, uh, let's introduce the co-host, who's uh, the one in the south. Uh, it's Bali. How are you doing, Bali? I'm good. Envy said yes. I, d- I definitely enjoyed that special. Yeah, we should, we should definitely do that more often. Totally. Uh, you know, there's milestone episodes that will come up, and uh, should uh, make use of them for certain. So, um, uh, anyway, today's show, we're going to be uh, jumping back to a more traditional thing with our three segments as uh, the usual. We're going to have what we've been playing, uh, and then listen to mail, and then Bally, what's our third segment going to be? We're going to talk about a bit of news and sort of how Nintendo is doing in these months that are leading up into the crucial E3 period, I guess. Yeah, a bit, a bit of, uh, you know, just... Uh... Laying the cards on the table and talking a bit about mm. the state of Nintendo, and uh, you know, we, we always like to check in and talk, do a bit of industry talk. So I guess that's what we'll do. And uh, yeah, not really any. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, not really any solid topic, but um, we'll talk around it. Uh, so uh, anyway, we're going to kick off with what we have been playing recently in Bali. Uh, you want to um, tell me what stuff you've been diving into? Yeah, so I've been playing a bit more Need for Speed: Most Wanted You, that horrendously long name, um, yes. and. Although I've talked about it before on the podcast, I thought I'd talk more about um, something I didn't mention, which was the Nintendo Wii U Pro Controller. I think I've said that correctly. Yes. Um, and so I bought this on Amazon about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, um, and it cost £35, I seem to remember. 33 33 Yeah, no, you're right. 33 um, And it's in black and it's probably the one of the best Nintendo controllers I've ever played with. Um, obviously, I do like the Wiimote and Nunchuck combo, but I think I still... There's something about the GameCube pad and now this pad that is just so much nicer to ja- just to have a generic... Not generic, that's a, that's a bad word to use, but like... Well, a, a I mean, it is very generic when you it think about generic. it. It is generic, no, it's like... It is essentially a 360 controller. It's the same shape, same size, and I, I don't know what the weight's like. How do you how do you feel it is in your hands? It's quite light, but not so light. I mean, it's... Imagine the Wii U gamepad, but half its size and the equivalent weight. Right, okay, about, same about weight that. as the gamepad. No, well, lighter than the gamepad because it's okay. smaller, but... Um, sure. Yeah, um, one thing I would say is that, like the gamepad, it, it's maybe a little funny that on the right analog stick, it it's quite it's where your thumb naturally is. Whereas yeah. if you compare that to a PlayStation controller, that's where the X Y, yeah, X Y X is X circle square um, triangle triangle. That's yeah. the one yeah. <laughs> X circle square triangle would normally be. So it does maybe feel a bit funny that when you want to use the B, A, Y, and X buttons, they're kind of, your thumb is going across the controller a bit. Um, they're, they're kind of situated where the C stick would have been situated on the GameCube, which is maybe a little yeah, funny. It's basically an inverse of the Xbox 360 controller where mm. the, um, you know, the, the stick is at the top, but the buttons are below. Yeah, or even the inverse of the GameCube controller. Um, 
And do you feel that's like a huge detriment to it? Do you think they should have just gone traditional instead of just being different for the sake of being different? Well, in Need for Speed Most Wanted, you're never really using that analog stick. And you're never even using the buttons, really. I mean, you use um, the B button. Shoulders, bu right? You use the shoulders to accelerate, left analog stick to steer, but and you're only using the B button to boost to use your nitros use your turbo so you're so never you're never really using the uh, second stick for like camera control or anything well you can do a fancy swivel of your car when you're feeling cocky and you're like you're not going to crash into anything but other than showing off and checking your car every now and then you're not really using it much no not at all so it's okay. probably a poor game to um to judge it by i mean probably a first person shooter would be far more fair to judge it yeah. by um in terms of that um but definitely yeah. it's it comes with the usb cable and the wii u's got two usb plugs in the back and two in the front which is quite handy because that's relates to what i'm going to talk about after this um and yeah it comes with a cable and i've charged it once since i bought it and i've never charged it again yet so it, I read online, I think it's got about 50 hours of charge, which is uh, great. Apparently it's around 80, 80? which is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. really? Okay, yeah. well, I've not had to charge it yet. Um, I mean, I've maybe played six, seven, eight hours of Need for Speed. I can't remember now. But yeah, it's it works fine. I, I was a bit worried that I'd constantly be having to charge my pad and my brand new Wii U Pro controller. And then when I've got my hard drive plugged in, I'd have to fiddle around and uh, but mm -hmm. it all works well it's it's nice that the Wii U's got the USB ports on the front that's a very logical step um, definitely you wouldn't really put your money on Nintendo making but they managed to do it this time which is nice right. um, but overall great controller um, and yeah Need for Speed is going on as usual but the main reason I bought this was because I didn't I was scared that, that with uh, Smash Bros coming out and Mario Kart coming out and so much gaming time in the horizon that I was just going to wear away my Wii U gamepad analog stick mm -hmm. I mean I think it's the same springs that they use in the nunchuck and I must say that my nunchucks after, even after hours upon hours of use are still they've, they've not the, the springs haven't given away at all which is good so but i was just yeah. doing it as a caution plus it's quite nice to just play on a smaller controller rather than have the big pad with something like mario kart and smash brothers yeah definitely i mean i'm gonna have to invest in one of these for those games because um i don't want to be holding the the game pad the entire time uh with those and plus you know for multiplayer and stuff it's gonna be needed so mm. um i'll get on that i'll get on that but yeah. you also mentioned uh, talk of a hard drive yes uh, so do you want to so talk about I, how that came to be i have what is going to become in the future quite a rare commodity, which is the Wii U 30 gig? No, not 30 gig. Basic. 50, it's called the basic. Eight. It's called the Wii U basic, yeah. It's the white, the original white one. Um, I admit right now it was a massive mistake buying the white one. I should have got the black one because just having the larger hard drive would have been a nicer experience um, because I'd be able to download lots of demos and not worry about it filling up. Because even even like Wonderful 101 demos and stuff like that, they take they actually take up quite a bit of memory. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the reason I bought the hard drive was because maybe you could explain your Amazon story, MBZ. My Amazon story? You don't know Nintendo Land story? Oh, oh, right, yeah. right, yeah. Um, so basically, uh, after the launch of Wii U... There were certain Wii U Premium bundles shipped by Amazon, 
that did not contain a copy of Nintendo Land in them. So what Amazon did in order to, you know, counteract this, instead of, you know, individually shipping copies of Nintendo Land to people who didn't have them, they sent a blanket email to every single person who had purchased a Wii U Premium. And they said, here is a code for a download copy of Nintendo Land. So even people who got it in the box still got this code for a download copy of Nintendo Land. And I got it. I was like, oh that's cool. I mean, I already own it, but, you know, this is something I could potentially give to someone. I knew that Bally was going to get a Wii U eventually. He didn't have one at the time. But I was like, okay, well, I'll just wait until Bally gets a Wii U, and then he can take this from me. I have the download code, and he'll be able to have Nintendo Land free of charge, which would be really cool. Um, And so I kept a hold of it for a long time, and Bally eventually got his Wii U, and uh, then we ran into the problem, which was that he did not have enough storage space, uh, because he had the 8-gigabyte one. And uh, and yeah, so you're in a. And I think naming it the eight gigabyte one is misleading by by Nintendo. And it's not just Nintendo that do this. All the companies do this. Is they it's called the eight gigabyte version, the thirty two, the thirty gig, whatever. But there's all there's always some quite a bit of space already taken up by sort of I didn't know the technical word for it formatting of the system. Or yeah, something. yeah, it's like yeah. already data in the system that is taking up room. So. Yeah, so I I knew that eventually I wanted a hard drive so I could get a free copy of Nintendo Land, um, not to mention potentially downloading more stuff. So I bought the uh, Toshiba HD TB105EK3AA500GB hard drive. Thanks um, for that, we totally needed it. Yeah, the uh, just in case you wanted the specific model. <laughs> and yeah, so it... it, it you have to use what's called a Y cable to plug it into the Wii U, which is basically two USBs that go into the hard drive. And those you plug those two USBs into the back of the Wii U and then into the hard drive. And that's to ensure that it's that it, enough power is going into the hard drive to operate smoothly with like the Wii U, basically. So, it, so you can it, run games, basically, and not have them crash. That's exactly, rather than just, I don't know. Word documents or music or something. I don't know. But yeah, so I ordered that. It came and then downloaded Nintendo Land. Um, I've not even had the time to touch it yet, um, but that's something I'm going to get on to um, playing soon. Um, I also downloaded Advance Wars because I was very excited to for that to come out and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've not played Advance Wars in a long time. Um, But the main game that I've been playing this past two weeks has been uh, WarriorWare, the original WarriorWare Inc. on the GBA, um, well, on the Ambassador program on my 3DS. And I, I already owned the GameCube version, which is just a remake of it. And while the GameCube version, in my opinion, added a lot of great multiplayer stuff, it actually kind of took out a lot of the stuff that's in the original game that I'm I'm sort of discovering that rediscovering almost like I, I because they took out the GameCube one like I said so sort of boss battles or little um what do you call them like toys what are they called like not yeah, micro they, games Yeah they call them toys they're like um they're, they're more mini game esque than the actual yeah. WarioWare. Like, there's like the ping pong one. We talked about this. Like, in WarioWare Touched on DS, there was the ping pong game where one person had one screen of the DS and you'd use the shoulder buttons to play a game of table tennis across mm. it. Um, stuff like that, where it's kind of multiplayer and there's some single player ones as well. Uh, and they kind of just expand it into like a high score uh, type thing. Yeah, so 
it's it's nice that there's stuff that I've not experienced before, um, and I've I think it works so much. It's so much nicer to play it on a handheld and not the GameCube. I I mean, don't get me wrong, the GameCube version's probably up there in my maybe top two. I probably even I prefer probably my favorite after Twisted. I'd have to say the GameCube one, um, but this one honestly is right up there because playing it on the handheld's great and. Yeah, I mean, we were having the, the discussion, MBZ, that, I mean, we Nintendo's always talked about, oh, they're going to move into the iOS market. I mean, they're losing too much uh, market share. They, they need to try something in that marketplace. Um, and we, we came up with the idea, like, of sh surely, like, WarioWare is the answer. It's It's short five second micro games that you could and I mean what WarioWare touch, touched is a great example that uh, how a touchscreen can be implemented into mini games and that is honestly right. a really great WarioWare game that they should ha give it a go I mean not only that but phones have all of the you know gyro and accelerometer built into them it's very easy to do twisted-esque stuff there's mm. the touchscreen there's so many applications there's you know front-facing cameras there's so much you can do with a WarioWare game that uh, uses all of those functions on a phone that it really does make sense like as any franchise that Nintendo would put on a phone WarioWare without a doubt makes the most sense um, that could easily just be shipped onto it and not have to have that much changed about it. Um, of course, they'd have to develop a brand new game specifically for the platform, but, you know, they, they are used to working with those kind of interfaces, and I'm sure they'd do some really interesting stuff. So, And it, the, the cool thing about WarioWare, and this, when it, I mean, when we were younger and it very first came out in something like 2000 and... Two? One? Yeah, probably. As yeah. early as that. And we were just like not even that interested in it we were like that looks really weird i have no idea what that is i mean it was getting great reviews but we were at the age where even a great review didn't make you buy a game it was just your own personal oh we like that look at that game or whatever yeah. so so we kind of missed out on it at the early stages and that's maybe one thing that you could say if it did go into the ios market is that this is an incredibly Japanese game. It is crazy. It is oh, the whole, yeah. all the all the WarioWare games are absolutely mental. And I'm sure once iOS, uh, let's call them Candy Crush players. I'm sure once Candy Crush players try WarioWare, they'll think, yeah, this is great. But I'm sure that initial step of picking it up might be quite tricky to market, and that might cause Nintendo a problem. I don't know what you think. Yeah, and I mean, it's all so a discussion of what kind of business model they would employ. Would they just make it a, a single-priced game? Would they implement free-to-play things and be like, hey, you can download the Jimmy pack for this many dollars, or you could download the Wario pack, and would they cut it up that way, and what, you know, how would they approach it? Uh, I'd be interested to see how they would, uh, you know, enter that market, because there are so many yeah. ways to distribute mobile games these days that, um, you know, they have a lot of options. Well... Interesting times for the future. So yeah, that's all I've been playing. Um, MBZ, what what you been on? So I have jumped back uh, into a franchise that has been on a lot of people's lips these days because uh, a new entry in it has just come out. And it's uh, infamous because Second Son uh, recently came out on PS4 and people really enjoying it. Um, it looks so good. It looks, I mean... It looks unreal. Like If you've not seen the giant bomb quick look, I would highly recommend it. Any footage of that game... I mean, you definitely have to see it in person, I guess, to get the full effect. I but bet, even yeah. in online video, it's gorgeous. It's jaw-droppingly nice. And um, 
and yeah, I think that's really one of the big things about it. Uh, to be honest, like most of the reviews I read and the stuff that I kind of, you know, found out about the game while, uh, you know, researching it was that it's not necessarily evolved so much in terms of gameplay, but it's a really nice graphical overhaul and, um, and you know, the, the new powers are really cool and stuff. So I, eventually when I get a PS4, I will be very excited to jump into Second Son. But, you know, before I do that, I have to complete the game which comes before it. And that's what I've been playing. I've been playing Infamous 2 on PS3. Uh, and so I have this via PlayStation Plus. I, I don't have the physical disc. I just downloaded the digital copy. And uh, I had, had it for a while. I kind of sat on it um, for some months because I beat the original Infamous. Uh, I think it was last year, actually. I beat it early last year. And I needed a break because uh, I'd put so much time into that game um, and, uh, you know, I needed a little bit of a rest from it. So I, I've come back to it now and I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm going to dive full in. I'm going to um, go through and, and beat this game. And the thing about Infamous that I find really fascinating when it comes to me and like my opinion of open world games is... I find myself doing everything in an infamous game, despite the fact that in Red Dead Redemption, I just went mission to mission and mainlined it and just, you know, critical pathed everything and wasn't interested in the side stuff at all. The thing that draws me about infamous is that you can get so easily sidetracked on almost anything because there are so much stuff to collect around the city and there are so many side missions scattered everywhere that there's this almost compulsive thing that happens to me where i'm like sorry what's an example of like a side mission then when you're walking along like what 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 what's it entail so there are a couple of different types of side missions there's these there's the standard um go up to an npc and then they'll be like oh there are monsters in the park please kill them all and so the park can be freed so you go over to the park and you have a bunch of monsters and you have to kill them in different ways you know grenades and shit and and just take them down which you know the combat is fun enough it's not super intense and it's it's not super complex so like l targeting and stuff or no there isn't uh, there's not really any auto aim of any description it's you know i think infamous can be described as a third person shooter but that's kind of reductionist to a point where you know it's not hiding behind cover and, and that sort of stuff um you do use cover with buildings but you know you have grenades electric grenades and you have like upgrades to all your weapons and you have you can like lift cars in the air and throw them at enemies and then you have your physical weapon called the amp which uh is what you're using on a lot of the, the swamp monsters in the game it's what you're using on a lot of those guys so you know there's a lot of variety uh there to to keep yourself occupied but yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't be so reductionist and to call it like a third person shooter but there are those side missions which are well and good and the reason i do all of those is because you regain control of certain areas on the map so at the beginning of the game the map is completely controlled by enemies and wherever you go random enemies will spawn uh so you're like at the very beginning of the game you're very weak and vulnerable and there are people everywhere trying to kill you so what doing the side missions does is when you beat one of them it locks out a small area of the city as being said like enemies will no longer spawn here like this is a safe zone enemies won't come back to this area and you have essentially taken control of it so the the reason it becomes like obsessive compulsive is because i want to have a clean map 
right? I don't want any enemies anymore in any of the parts of the map. So if there is a small circle, like, in the center of areas that I've beaten and I've taken control of, I need to do that mission so that I clear it completely and the whole map is taken over by myself. And And... Do those new missions respawn in the areas you've cleared? No. Once you've cleared an area, that's the side mission and done with. done. It's behind you, and it's clear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's why I'm so, like, drawn into doing everything in this game. Because, And not only that, but doing missions actually gains you experience. And the way that you expand your powers is by spending experience on things. So it's actually really good to go and do those so that you have an ample amount of experience to spend on powers and you can upgrade yourself a lot quicker than you would be able to otherwise. So yeah, it puts you in a nice position. Most importantly, are you playing light side or dark side? Well, see, here's the thing. So I played the original Infamous as a good guy. Because I was like, you know what, I might as well. It's, you know, it just is one of those things I find it quite hard to play as, as an evil bastard because you're like murdering civilians and stuff and it just doesn't feel good, you know? I'm not that kind of person. Um, even though in GTA, like, you can run around and murder people, that's a very different thing because in GTA I never really played the main storyline. But, you know, going through the main storyline, I was like, I want to be a good guy. When it came to Infamous 2, I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to be bad. I'm going to do it. I'm, look, I'm going to be bad. You did an Anakin. You actually did an Anakin. That's really Well, I great. want... No, 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 no. I was going to do an Anakin. <laughs> but what I found out is that if you have played Infamous 1, your save file will be detected on the PS3. And because I played through as a good guy on the first Infamous, it said if you play through as a good guy in the second one, we'll give you like early bonuses and you'll get a higher chance to you know get upgrades quicker and stuff and like you get more experience and i was like oh god fine so i ended up playing as a good guy again because i wanted that stuff so you did do an anakin uh, you were bad then good and then good good then bad and good again well (laughs) i didn't quite go fully down the bad route so uh, i didn't i didn't quite push it that far but sure uh, if you want to use such an analogy (laughs) then it it is (laughs) i brought yeah definitely definitely let's go with that um so so yeah i've been having a lot of fun with it the other thing which i was talking about like um distracting me was the blast shards which are basically if you want to upgrade your health you need to collect these tiny little pieces these shards they're called and uh uh, and they're just scattered everywhere around the city and they're like off the side of buildings on top of buildings underneath things um you know there are bombs strapped to walls which you have to drain the electricity out of and then get a shard from they're just everywhere and so as soon as you get to a new area and you start clearing it out you just find i well i just find myself going off the beaten path and finding all the shards that i can because you see one and then you're like oh there's one over there and then you get to that area i say oh there's one over there so you get to this point where you're not even going to the main missions or the side missions anymore you're just running around collecting shards and uh it yeah it, it becomes obsessive compulsive and you, so you you think they successfully designed the game on purpose to do that to say you know what we're going to prolong your playing time of our game by making these little side missions so kind of addictive yeah they're very tantalizing i think that's that's something that they've done in the world design is everything's quite dense um you know the city isn't massive there's not kind of on the scale of a gta 5 or anything but uh yeah you're definitely kind of encouraged to go after that stuff because not only is it um beneficial for you in the long run to you know upgrade your health by getting those but a lot of them are like platforming challenges um 
and I really love the traversal in Infamous and how easy it is to get around. So you'll see a shard like up all the top on this high building and you have to figure out like, okay, how do I get up there? I need to figure out a way up this building, use my platforming prowess and, and get up there. And, you know, I'm a guy who loves platformers, so that's something that draws me in as well. So I guess to a degree that's that's definitely a thing that um, that is important, you know? And how's the story? So the story's okay. I mean... This is a game which I'm playing with podcasts most of the time because a lot of it is I'm clearing out side missions so I don't need to hear the jibber-jabber of what people are saying. It's not really that interesting to me. Um, the premise is that after the first game, you know, there's, there's I'm not going to spoil it or anything, but you go to a new city and uh, there's like this beast coming that's going to like destroy the world. And so uh, the game is, a lot of it is, every time you get past a certain story mission, it'll be like, the beast is 700 miles from New Marais, which is the city you're in. And so, you know, it's building up eventually to the end game where you're going to fight this giant monster who's, uh, I, I guess, going to be ridiculous and uh, really hard to take on. But it's interesting. There are some cool side characters. There's um, some more kind of people with powers coming along new conduits is what they call them people with powers um so like one of the people who was in your crew originally is now someone with ice powers and then you find someone else who has fire powers and depending on which route you choose you get access to those i think i'm on the story mission right before i get access to the ice powers because if you play as a good guy you get those if you play as a bad guy you get access to fire powers so there's a, cool. a good reason to play through again if you want to get access to the different power set um so i'm interested to try that out when when i get to and that. Your, your main power is electricity like the first game but you can unlock you're saying ice or fire is that, is that, is that all the powers in this game yeah i believe so i don't think they push the envelope too much um electricity is the main one that you carry over and then you're going to get access to these these other powers which is cool um i believe there's like four in second sun uh, so they really made it uh, very different there but um but yeah they, they kept it relatively simple here but i appreciate it i appreciate they did something different there and didn't just stick with electricity for the entirety of both games because uh as fun as it is you know you need a little bit of a shake-up so so that's cool um yeah, so I've I've really been enjoying that, and I'm maybe about fifty percent of the way through in terms of main story missions, um, and uh, and yeah, I, I'll definitely be hitting it hard. I'm I'm going down to London next week, so I won't be uh, doing any console gaming. I'll be bringing my handhelds with me. Um, that's the thing which I would really like. Can console game with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, the thing I'd really like is if there was like the remote play for PS3 and Vita, like there is for PS4 and Vita. But what you can do with PS4 and Vita is like you can be in somewhere completely different across the other side of the world, and if you have access to an internet connection, you can remote play on your Vita through that internet connection from your PS4 at home, which is just cool. That's, that's really awesome. So. Uh, yeah, that would be great, and I think that's something you can do with Second Son, actually, because it supports it uh, on PS4, so, you know, uh, maybe one day when I'm down in London, I'll be playing, you know, Infamous on my Vita while the PS4 is on at, at my house at home, so, yeah, that's that sounds like a really cool thing, so. Cool. So, yeah, um... But uh, that's pretty much it, I guess. Um, I, I wasn't. I think I was going to talk about another game, but we're running out of time here, so uh, I think I'm just going to leave it there with Infamous. That's really the majority of what I've been doing. So uh, you know, spent a good amount of uh, of words uh, doling out on that. So so there you go. We're going to take a break here, but we will uh, return after that with some um, some new uh, listener mail that you guys have been sending to us. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
Okay, and welcome back to the show. We have uh, a listener mail segment here, which we didn't do last time because of our feature, but uh, we have uh, quite a lot of correspondence, so uh, let's let's get straight into it. And, uh, and Bali has the first one. So the first mail is from Bruno Garcia, and he says, Hello, MBZ and Bali. I really enjoy the show. Thanks for making going to work less boring. Have you guys played Fire Emblem 6 Binding Blade? If so, what was your experience with it? I've been playing, but the growth rates of all the characters are ridiculous. Weapons accuracy is awful, and enemy units seem to be stronger. So I'm about to give up on it. Next, can you recommend any other Nintendo-related podcasts? I only listen to you guys and the Nintendo show, but I'm up to date with both of them. If you guys have played Resident Evil Revelations, would you recommend it for someone who has never played a Resident Evil game before? Thank you for your time, and thanks for the podcast. It's great. So I guess the first question is about Binding Blade. Yeah, um, I have played this game. So for those unfamiliar with it, Binding Blade is the English name of the Japanese GBA Fire Emblem, um, which came out before uh, Fire Emblem 7 and Sacred Stones and was never released in the West. It was it was a Japan-only title. And you can tell it's a Japan-only title because, as uh, Bruno makes note of, it is fucking difficult. It is extremely hard. And, um, and yeah, it's really punishing. And you... I mean, there is uh, very clearly... Um, a, a play made by uh, Intelligent Systems and Nintendo to make the game easier for Western audience, um, and you can definitely see like the difference, the, the gulf uh, that was made, and, and how much they really dumbed it down <laughs> for us, you know, stupid Westerners who can't understand these Japanese games and, and have trouble with them. But I did play it. I haven't finished it. I I got relatively far into it, and I do plan on let's playing it at some point in the future. But uh, yeah, it's 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 tough, and I am uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I'd say like try and push through, especially because you're going to be playing on an emulator. It's not really available in English uh, in any other way. So I would say you know abuse save states, abuse the arena, and and push through because um, I think it's still a fun fun game. So, so and, that, and I'm I'm just going to limp along with Sacred Stones. You you can do your best, Valley. <laughs> <laughs> so the next point is what are our favorite Nintendo related podcasts? Well, this is a good one, because um, we Very listen good to one. loads of podcasts. We and, are massive um, fans. And so, uh, there are a few that we can recommend. Uh, right up front, I have to uh, give a nod to my favorite podcast, one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. Uh, it's called Radio Free Nintendo, um, and it is hosted at nintendoworldreport.com. Um, it, this is a fantastic podcast. They've been going for about seven years now, and, um, and they're, you know... They're like one of the oldest podcasts, aren't they? Yeah, like right since the beginning, uh, the dawn of uh, the inception of podcasts, um, they've been around since. And uh, Nintendo World Report is, you know, it's a website run by people who don't do it as their actual job. You know, they don't get paid to do it. They're very much enthusiasts and they're very good at what they do. And, uh, you know, it really shows in the quality of their podcast. They have a few of them, uh, but uh, Radio Free Nintendo is the main one. And this is a podcast I recommend to anyone. You know, regardless of whether you're super interested in Nintendo or not, I, I mean, you have to be interested in video games, right? But um, regardless of whether you're interested in Nintendo or any other platforms, they are so insightful um, and they always have interesting topics and, um, and you know, such insight into the industry that, uh, you know, every episode is, is 
quite fantastic. And I feel like they're really good if you wanted to get into Nintendo, but you're already experienced with other video games. Because, I mean, they all talk they talk about lots of non-Nintendo games and how they relate and, and lots of stuff like that. So I think that they're quite a, a nice stepping stone. Definitely. And, I mean, if one thing which I find really interesting is... When I started listening to this podcast, I was what you could probably classify as a Nintendo fanboy. Like, I didn't know anything about other consoles. I wasn't very familiar with, you know, the industry at large. And uh, ironically, by listening to a Nintendo podcast, I learned so much more about, you know, the other companies involved in the games industry and uh, the industry at large and it really opened my eyes to be more critical about the company as opposed to being a blind fanboy uh, you know following them and uh, and I think that was great because it means that I'm able to talk about video games on a you know much more interesting level now and uh, I can definitely thank them for, for giving me that to, to be honest so yeah I mean I, I mean you got me into them MBZ like way back in 2010 11 yeah and yeah. i mean i've been i was a bit on and off at first but obviously now i'm completely consistently listening to them and yeah everything you've said i have to reiterate really great another yeah. one another big one that we both listened to and i've only gotten into in the last few months is um nintendo voice chat which is the ign nintendo podcast isn't it um yeah and it's it's quite short it's very 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 nintendo focused they at, at times one of them will go off on a tangent and start talking about something else and then sort of Jose Otero will be like nope we can't talk about that we're talking about Nintendo and it's quite it's, it does feel quite regimented at times um, but it not that makes it sound negative I mean in a good way like so and they are very good at always talking about the most current stuff so sometimes RFN might take a few weeks at times to pick up the newest games or they're not that that there's far more of their opinion whereas um i feel like nvc is really good at being sort of cutting edge what's what is the latest nintendo hot topic for example right now they're they've got a whole mario kart 8 preview episode which i mean that's the sort of thing that rfn wouldn't do they wouldn't just do a whole episode dedicated to a new game they just they would continue on as they do whereas nvc is very like current i'd say Right, and that has a lot to do with IGN as a company exactly. and the way that they operate and the fact that they get access to all this stuff and, you know, it's their job. Um, they get paid to do it. So, um, you know, they don't get paid to do the podcast, obviously, but it's something that they do uh, on the side to, to build fan base and stuff for IGN. And it certainly works, you know. Podcast Beyond is the, the, their PlayStation podcast, which is their most popular one. And, um, you know, I'm sure that all of their podcasts build like a huge audience and, and fan base for them and it's a very important part of their, their business even though it doesn't really make the money um, you know it, it solidifies that core audience and um, and yeah and they, they focus very tightly on it very laser focused on, on that stuff so um, yeah I, I would recommend Nintendo Voice Chat as well definitely now we should say that we're into lots of other video game podcasts and non-video game podcasts but I think we, I guess we could save those for another question if someone asks us about that maybe um Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, we could we could just name drop some if you yeah, feel could, like it. Yeah, go for a name drop sesh. Um, well, obviously there's the giant bomb cast, which uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, not necessarily the most focused <laughs> of shows, but one of the most entertaining. Um, without mm. a shadow of a doubt, you know the the thing I love about the Giant Bomb guys is that they don't seem to have any bias towards 
any company in the industry. They're very neutral ground, and they always have interesting opinions on everything, and they have such uh, huge experience. Uh, they've been, you know, doing this since like back in the GameSpot days. A lot of them, so. Um... Yeah, they're very uh, they're very funny uh, to go along with that. So it, it makes a nice balance there. They have a fantastic show. Um, it's also three hours long each week, which is sometimes yeah. hard to digest. But you know, um, a big one we used to we're into until like a couple of months ago was um, Weekend Confirmed, which has now ended. And the ho- the co-hosts of that, Garnet Lee and Jeff Ganata, have both started their brand new podcast projects. Um, I particularly enjoy Jeff Kanata's brand new DLC, which um, is all all gaming. So it's not just video games. He also includes board gaming because he's a big board gamer, as am I. And that's a big reason of why I like um, the podcast. I must admit that they spend like board games are kind of getting shoehorned in at the end at the moment. Yeah, but, and, I, and I know that he wants to improve on that because, I mean, a lot of his friends are still kind of new to board games far more so than he is. And I, mean, I guess that's a bit like me and you mbz and right, I, I play lots and but you're kind of a bit interested and might be up for a few so sure definitely that, but that's dlc um it's really great um and like i think all, all the ones we've said so far are weekly um they are all weekly yeah yeah and so. then garnet on games is another one that is even newer than dlc i think that it's now only on episode four five yeah yeah i think so um and that is garnet lee by himself with a microphone for a roughly an hour and a half. Um, he's still working out segments and stuff, and he's talking about all kinds of industry news, all all video games. Um, I I think Garnet on Games is a really great podcast. Actually, he's he's an incredibly great presenter, and the ability to hold a mic to your by yourself for an hour and a half, I think, is really impressive. Oh, ext- extraordinarily, and uh, you know, being able to. Um... You know, it's it's hard. It's hard when you have no one to bounce off of, um, and uh, you know, even you know, I struggle sometimes talking about games that Bali doesn't know about to keep my uh, speech about it going. But uh, <laughs> but he Garnet somehow manages to do it for an hour and a half, no sweat, and he's you know he's a veteran of the industry, so you know he has a lot of experience. But um, yeah, that's a great show as well. Um, Any more? So Shall we move on? Uh, I have loads, but uh, not enough time. We should move on to the I next guess question. We I mean. Honestly, ask us more about podcasts. We love talking about them. Definitely. Um, <laughs> so yeah, what's our? Have we played Resident Evil Revelations? What's our opinion on on it? So both of us are confession m- time. <laughs> <laughs> both of us are massive pussies, and we don't <laughs> hit like horror at all. I I despise the horror genre in film and games, in any sort of media, in books, even like I just get the shit scared out of me so easily and I can't I can't handle it I can't deal with it so I'm not a fan of Resident Evil uh, I did play the demo of Revelations but like I saw a zombie and just just turned my 3DS off like I was done I was just I can't handle I can't yeah handle it, so. um, I'm exactly the same this sounds so so funny but yeah just <laughs> cannot handle it literally cannot handle it um, I for example, I you come with me to see Prometheus, NBC. No, I didn't. You I didn't. didn't. Well, I saw Prometheus, and that's only like a fifteen, and I just could not handle the horror in that film. And it's, it's not, not even, even much necessarily a, a horror I, film. No, it's like <laughs> freaking sci-fi and shit, and I just couldn't handle like. 
Anyway, so yeah, I and the second like that's a film, let alone something you're immersed in, like a video game, and just right. with all this virtual reality stuff coming out, it's just I'm just getting I'm just moving further and further away from it. I just cannot handle it. I'm sorry, but yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, there we have it. Um, thanks for the questions, Bruno. Yeah, thank you, Bruno. Thank you. So the next question's from Saint. You guys are probably going to be sick of hearing from me pretty soon. Sorry about that. Last time on March the 12th, you guys talked about the new Smash Brothers game. Do you think Nintendo will try to keep the 3DS and Wii U versions somewhat similar or go for pretty different gameplay, maybe different unlockable players? You also said they were kind of shooting themselves in the foot releasing it for two platforms, but wouldn't only having a Wii U version possibly deter people from buying as they would see a new system for it? Thanks for the great podcasts. Okay. Um, well, this uh, comes at a uh, relatively uh, topical time because there will be a Nintendo Direct next week. Uh, in fact, actually, it will... See, here's the awkward thing. This Nintendo Direct will have happened by the time this episode goes out. But ah, because yeah. of timing schedules, we're recording before that has happened. So I would have loved to be able to comment on this question um, with, you know, the Nintendo Direct behind us. But we currently don't know what they're going to be discussing um there so uh unfortunately uh we don't have uh the ability to see into the future we'll, we'll, so. i mean we'll definitely talk about it briefly in our next episode but i'm afraid you're gonna have to wait until yeah until yeah then. exactly um until then but um, um and i'm sure that will honestly answer a lot of these questions i mean so yeah. far we just know that the 3ds you can have a black outline around your player as far as we know all the characters are the same um the stages are different in that the 3DS versions are, 3DS stages, I should say, are based upon handheld uh, Nintendo games. Likewise, the Wii U version is based uh, mainly around home console. Yeah. Um, and I don't games. know if there will be crossover or if Sakurai wants to keep those stages exclusive. Like, will there be, you know, for example, DLC on Wii U to get, you know, some of these handheld stages, or are they literally going to be cordoned off for that version alone? Mm. Um, but I mean, I mean, this is something we're definitely going to talk about in our next segment. So, yeah, I guess definitely. we could, I guess we could move on. Maybe we should table this, yeah, and then we'll 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 approach that next yeah, time. But I mean, we're definitely going to approach your questions. Just maybe now's a, a poor time to do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, next question, then. Hi guys, my name is Kareem. I'm a big fan of the podcast from Egypt, and want to congratulate you guys on the great content so far. My question to the both of you guys: Do you guys play any MMORPG games? If so, which ones? Also, have you heard about the upcoming Monster Hunter online game for PC? It is currently in closed beta in China and no news yet as to when it will migrate uh, to the Europe or US. Do you believe it might influence sales on future installments of Monster Hunter on the Wii U system? Cheers. Bali, have you ever played an MMO? Nope. Ever. Uh, I, okay, right. Well, like maybe when I was 17, 18, uh, I saw right. some advert on telly for World of Warcraft. And you saw an adverb. This yeah. is the closest you've got to well, it. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. And then I went in on my computer and downloaded the uh, free demo. Did you really? I really did. Oh, my God. And my character spawned. And then I gave up. 
I didn't know that. I didn't know you did that. I, I, I might have told. I can't remember if I've told. I guess I've not. But yeah, no. I I just I like consolidated gaming experiences and MMOs. Quite simply, are not consolidated <laughs> gaming experiences. So, I'm afraid not. So, you never played RuneScape or any of those games? Oh, briefly, like a tiny bit of RuneScape. Right, because those are MMOs, right? The... But yeah, it was. Like, you know, yeah. they're they're not of the highest caliber, right? But you know, they but were. I was not into it at all. I and right, I never well, will be, and I don't want no. to be. A... Sure. I mean, like, that. I was maybe 12 or so, maybe 12, 13, when I was playing RuneScape, um, and I got really hardcore into it. And I mean, the thing with MMOs really is playing it with people is the draw. That's the draw, is because it's a online multiplayer experience, and especially when I was that young, you know, th- that was a rare thing. It was kind of a brand new thing, and... You know, I was really interested in in doing it. You know, Skype didn't even exist back then, so you would have to type in the chat to people. But you know, at my primary school, um, I was in like the last couple of years, and uh, loads of people were playing it. Like, I I was playing it with um, at least six or seven other people. We'd go to the computer room, and we would all go into RuneScape and like level up and do quests with each other and stuff. And it was a great time. And I really understand like the social aspect of the MMO and why it is you know so popular on on that um wavelength but uh you know once i'd fallen off of that and uh and wasn't really interested anymore i never really got back into any of them um uh, and you know you definitely needed like a really powerful pc in order to run the good ones uh, like world of warcraft at the time and i just didn't have access to anything like that i had my laptop but you know that was uh nowhere near capable of producing um, you know the graphics that were needed and and being able to load all these giant areas and all that kind of thing. So yeah, I fell off it for for a long time. Um, and then actually, relatively recently, um, when I got my new PC, I was like, you know what? Let me try an MMO because there are so many of them that are free to play these days uh, and are really interesting. And so I was like, you know, I heard a lot about Jeff Kanata talk about Terra Online on Weekend Confirmed. I was like, okay this is free to play now so i was like i'll try this out and see what it's like and i downloaded it and um and i made a character like fucking hot elf chick because why not right (laughs) customization (laughs) options gotta go with the the hot elf chick and that's what i rolled with um and you know in terra the less clothes you have the higher your armor is because you know anime and mmo and you know that's how it works so my quest was to get the least clothes possible, um, but uh, I, I didn't really play it that much. I didn't have anyone to play it with. I think I streamed it a couple of times. I, I, did you watch me play it at all, Bally? Saw me play a bit of Terra? Not that, not that I, not that I can remember. I remember showing you a screen cap of my character. But you know my remember? memory. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly, like a sieve. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I did. I played Terra for a decent amount of time. Honestly, you know, I, I went. Um, and and did some stuff with it, but but yeah, I didn't really get hardcore into it. I think I still have it installed on my PC, so I might go back to it at some point and mess around. The one thing I will mention is that it looked gorgeous. Wow, it looked amazing. Uh, one of the the best looking games uh, I'd seen at that point in my life. So um, you know, up, uh, now I've I've seen you know stuff that looks quite a bit better because I have other PC games. But um, but yeah, it was it really stuck out to me there. It was really interesting. So. Anyway, he was also asking about like Monster Hunter yeah. uh, and this this uh, PC game which came out in China. From what I've 
heard, I haven't heard that much about it, is that uh, people don't seem to be that into it. Uh, it doesn't seem to be doing that well. So uh, the degree to which it will infringe upon sales on Wii U, I would say, is uh, very minimal, uh, to be honest. Um, especially as it's only available in China right now. We don't know whether it will be uh, in other parts of the world. Uh, you know, that, and the thing is with China is they've had like a 10-year ban on consoles, which only just lifted recently. Um, so there, like, before that had happened, there was no chance that Wii U was even being released in that country, so it's, uh, it's something that I don't think will happen, and, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about our limited experience with Monster Hunter before, but, but there you go. I think that's, uh, that pretty much covers it, so, so there you have it. So the next question, or questions, is, are from Daniel Bunzelmeyer. Hello, Bally and Zed. I'm a huge fan of the podcast series, and now that it's available as a traditional podcast, it seems odd to call something like a podcast traditional, I'm beside myself. Work used to be so boring, but now with the sweet tones of MBZ harmonising with Bally played over my workday, my life has become infinitely better. With the I appreciate fan... that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> with the fan gushing aside, and then he goes on to talk about... Um, how he fell out of love with Pokemon, but the new X and Y Pokemon designs were a real appeal for him to get back into the series. Um, and then he went on into some more questions where he says, There are a lot of games out there that I have heard good things about. I'm pretty set on buying Mario Golf and Smash. Um, both you'll notice have high replay value. As someone who doesn't buy that many games per year, are there any games um, that you suggest for the 3DS that have a high replay value? Right now I have Ocarina of Time 3D and Pokemon Y. I'd breed Pokemon until Zed comes out and then breed more, but I feel like if I'm going to be a shut-in, I need to be a shut-in with variety. And then he has another question. Okay. I'll just finish it, I guess. And this is more of a speculation question. Nintendo, as I see it, has one more shot to get its main series console back, serious console, I should say, back on track. Assuming they don't revive the Wii U, now here's my question. Nintendo is in the corner. If they pull a Bomberman and drop a bomb in said corner, what happens? Can they escape the aftermath and pull through, the same as they are, they are now? Or do they break up the company and save the profitable parts? The 3DS is a great system, um, so should they go full handheld? Do they split up the dev teams into separate third-party development teams for Mario, Zelda, DK, all of the great Nintendo staples? I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on the matter. You two are very knowledgeable about the subject, and I like the critical aspect of the series, so I'm just attempting to offer some fuel. I'm a huge fan of the series, love the fact that I can listen at work and keep it up, guys. So yeah, long email, Daniel, but um, I guess we'll address the first part the first question I should say which was talking about replay value in games on 3DS right exactly um, so there are quite a few games on 3DS which uh, you could sink hundreds of hours into uh, the main one which I don't know if you have you didn't mention it, is, is Animal Crossing New Leaf which you can literally spend just like a whole year on if you want to buy a game that is going to offer you value for money in terms of the time you put into it animal crossing is a massive time sink and uh and i don't know if that's your kind of genre if, if that's what you're into but man 
I would go for that, definitely. Especially if you've never played an Animal Crossing game before. Your first Animal Crossing, as everyone says, is your favourite Animal Crossing. And New Leaf is a great entry to the series. So, um, you know, I put 46 hours into it, and I didn't even play it that much. So, <laughs> you know, uh, there's, there's plenty of time to be uh, sucked out of that. So the other one, uh, the big one, is Mario Kart 7, of course, which I've uh, I put almost 50 hours into that thing. Uh, of course, it kind of is necessary to be playing the online for this. Um, especially you say you're going to get Smash and Mario Golf, both of which I believe have online modes and are going to have a lot of replay value. Mario Kart is... Pff, it's a time sink. It's a huge time sink. So so I would, I, I'd offer that as a suggestion, definitely. Yeah, I fully agree. I think that if you look at my 3DS and the two games that I've sunk the most time into by a long way aren't any of the adventure games or the story games with missions and stuff like that. Well, I guess this game does have missions, but my two games are Mario Kart, I agree, and I've sunk loads of time with you and others online and playing through all the GPs, getting 150cc uh, triple star and all that. But the other game that I've spent a lot of time on, probably a lot more than you actually, MBZ, is Pilot Wings. Um, yeah. I have this obsession with trying to get like a perfect score in every single mission in that game and it's a really at times relaxing game, it's a great looking game, um, I mean there was loads of pressure before it came out, it's just like when is there going to be another pilot wing sort of thing and I think it's a really great game, I mean I got it on launch, um, I, it was the only game I owned for ages and yeah I really sunk a lot of time into that so I don't know if that would be your style of game. Uh, Daniel, but um, that might be a suggestion. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, you know, I would offer up Fire Emblem as well because I was it, gonna say <laughs> it's uh, you know it's it's similar to Pokemon. Like you can play through uh, multiple. Well, I mean, you know, not similar to Pokemon, but in the way that there is a lot to do. Like there is a huge amount to do in Fire Emblem, and it can last you hundreds and hundreds of hours. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's much more. I mean, th another game that I've got a lot of time into is Mario and Luigi, but that's like a, you're not going to replay that a lot. That's just a really long game to to start off with, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to go back to it. So I, I would suggest, although neither of us have played it, and it's similar to Mario and Luigi in that it's just a long game to play through. Is Bravely Default? Yes, it's just yeah. come out. So well, just come out like a couple of months now, I guess. Well, I mean, it came out in the UK in like November, so. That's been here for a while, but uh, yeah, definitely for the US, it's it's relatively fresh. So um, that's a, that's a definitely a good option. I I know people have their problems with that game, but it is apparently like an eighty-hour JRPG. So uh, you will definitely not run short of things to do um, in in uh, something like that. So so yeah, good suggestion, Bali. I, good one. So uh, what's uh, what was his other question? Then? Yeah, the, so the second half of the the email and questions is basically Nintendo in a corner. What happens? Do they split up the company? Do they give the, the, the first party icons, Mario, Zelda, DK to third party development teams? Um, um, where do you think Nintendo are going to go? What do they do? Because he, like you said, and I agree, they're in a corner. Yeah, so... It's really the question of how long do they ride out Wii U and do they push themselves to make it like a five year lifespan or do they get back to the drawing board straight away and, and try and um, come up with something else? Um, I think that they 
really need to go back to the drawing board. I don't think Wii U is savable at this point. It is on the level of GameCube, if not below, in terms of its sales potential, and it's just dropping faster and faster. You know, as PS4 and Xbox One uh, start to get broader and, uh, you know, better game libraries and you know they're having all the third party stuff and their own stuff and they're much more impressive and people are much more drawn towards them um wii u becomes more and more irrelevant and so we do need i mean they need to uh start pushing forward and and doing something different honestly because it's it's not going to last them for a good amount of time and you know there'll be good games on wii u and i i know that they're going to get a great zelda out and and smash and everything but you know, I think it's it's best to just abandon ship. Um, I'd have to disagree, actually. I'm a bit more positive. I think that there's so much more to come from the Wii U, and I'm talking specifically first-party games. I, th- I feel like there's so much to come that there's no reason why it can't even outsell the GameCube. I mean, obviously you have to write off any kind of Wii sales, but I think with games, and I think this year is a really great tester, I mean, by the end of this year, I think it'll be really clear whether the Wii U is literally completely out of it or whether it can do a GameCube and actually sell, well, not great, but kind of bobble along the bottom because it's even worse than bobbling along the bottom at the moment. So I think games like specifically Mario Kart and Smash, I think it's incredibly important to see how well those sell and that I think from there, it'll be clearer whether you're right or I'm right. Right, definitely. Um, the question really is, though, you know, with the install base right now, are those games enough to draw, you know, a large enough audience that they'd be able to to save it? You know, I'm, I mean, I could understand, you know, being able to write it out if they had a large enough install base and, and then those games would sell extremely well. But um, it's whether people can justify the purchase of the system to get to those games. Um hmm. Uh, and that's the real the real big thing yeah i mean i honestly can't answer that and i guess it'll just take we'll just have to see the stats Um, yeah and especially i mean by the end of this year we'll know you know by the end of this year we will have the cards on the table and i'm pretty sure we can make a more balanced kind of assessment then yeah absolutely uh, but we do need to wait while something like zelda is for us nintendo fans is a massive game and it's absolutely the best thing nintendo produce it's a drop in the pan compared to how important mario kart is in terms of system sales and i think that's why i agree that end of the year we'll know yeah um but in terms of like if they were to split things up and and you know go only handheld next generation you know i definitely think nintendo can ride out at least a couple if not three more generations you know failing and still be able to to do okay for themselves um you know um i would i would be very sad if they left the console business because you know that's what i've grown up with those are the consoles that i've owned and they're the ones that i have a huge amount of memories for although i am much more of a handheld guy and i'd be perfectly okay with them pushing all of their resources into one imagine if they pushed all their resources into a single system like the amount they did with 3ds last year was phenomenal and just imagine if all of wii u development was pushed towards that as well like all these games that are coming out would be coming out for a single system they would be able to justify that extremely well just with their games alone but but yeah i would be disappointed if they if they left the console business and 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 i guess 
maybe the positive is that like handhelds are more similar to home consoles than they've ever been before. The graphics are getting better. The hard drives are better. They they can do more. They I mean the PS4 and the Vita are a great example like you can have very very similar experiences whereas 20 years ago they were just completely different. So I feel like maybe Nintendo's next console is yeah just a handheld system and i don't know whether that might be virtual reality or whether you can plug it into a wall or whether it's just chargeable but i think that you could argue there's going to be a merge between handheld and console experiences definitely definitely well um I think that we uh, talked that out enough. Uh, we're kind of coming to the end here of this uh, listener mail segment, but um, thank you very much for... Uh... That river's going to run dry, though. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we have a few questions left, but definitely keep sending them in, um, and we are going to be responding to, to more of your listener mail. So send them to the email address, which is questions at gmail.com. And uh, yes, we look forward to all the. We read them all. We do. We read every single one. So uh, so do that. And, and we'll it gives happy. us great pleasure. It does indeed. So uh, that's going to end off this segment. But uh, do not go anywhere because we will come right back with uh, a discussion of uh, where Nintendo are right now, state of the industry, and all that good stuff. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. We are back with the third and final segment of the show, and uh, this segment is going to be more of covering uh, some recent news that has come out, and uh, a bit of looking at Nintendo and how they're shaping up, uh, you know, in terms for E3 coming up soon and, and that stuff. So uh, I think we're going to kick it off with uh, some talk about the the new details coming out about Mario Kart 8. Um, a lot of new uh, information, you know, about some new items and tracks and all that good stuff, and what retro tracks are coming back. Uh, Bali, why don't you jump in and talk about some of this Mario Kart 8 stuff? Yeah, so I guess Nintendo let in lots of journalists to try out basically the, the new revamped, fresh, ready-to-go version of the game. And I think they had the chance to play on 16 of the what's going to be 32 tracks, including some really great retro tracks coming back. Um, just before I talk about those tracks, I just have to say how amazing everything looks. I think even if even comparisons between this and the Wii version, it just looks unbelievable. It, it, it really reminds me, although I've not played it and I really want to buy it, it reminds me of the bloom effect in Wind Waker HD. It's really everything so sort of sunlit if that makes sense it's really hard to describe and really like almost shiny and the water effects are very very clear and crisp and it just looks really nice and and that's without even seeing the game actually um, in action that's just video content online right Um, Um, 
but yeah, so some of my favorite tracks that have been announced. Um, my personal favorite from the N64 version of uh, Mario Kart was uh, Royal Raceway. So they've brought it back for the new Mario Kart 8 and they've given it a sort of autumnal kind of no, it's not autumnal, that's wrong. It's a spring look. It's like blossom. And it's right. just loads of trees covered in blossom with petals floating around. And it just looks really amazing. And it was a really cool track. Like, it's it's a, it's that traditional race-style track where you've got... It's basically grass on the sides and just tarmac on the road. It's none of this, like, desert or anything. It's very traditional. And I, I, those are my probably my favorite types of tracks in the Mario Kart franchise. Um, and this, they, what they add to this track just looks great. So, like, they are doing all the stuff with, you know, anti-grav and everything. And from what I've seen in the videos, like it doesn't seem to make a huge difference unless you're really paying attention to the areas around the track and what direction they're facing and whether they're upside down or not. It seems like you don't really notice. Do you think that that very much undermines even the implementation of it in the game to begin with? You know, it's not really visible? Uh, to some degree. Uh, I think... I'm not going to be able to fully judge, obviously, until I've played it, but there, there, there is a new feature that they've made more clear that you can now do when you're in almost Back to the Future mode with the, with the DeLorean's wheels coming up. It's just right. like that, isn't it? It's sort of, so there is a feature they made clear with the, the anti-gravity, and that is that when you hit off other players, because your wheels are spinning on their side, if that makes sense, they, they've decided that you get a boost when you bump into someone, which is quite yeah. interesting, you get a mini boost, which is quite cool. So I, I, I mean, it, that's obviously a really little thing to add, but you never know. It might, it might make for a lot of great gameplay um, additions. In terms of what you were saying about, um, it, it doesn't really feel different. I mean, it, because you're always following the back of the cart. You're not. Yeah. Um, I guess it, that's true to some degree, but that didn't stop me, for example, in F-Zero GX thinking, whoa, this le this stage is really cool. And that's regardless of the speed. I felt, I, it, and that was the same camera to some degree. And yeah. I, I do think that some of the tracks, especially um, Shy Guy uh, Falls, which we can talk about in a second. Oh, I yeah. think that, that that combination of just the, the changing in angles um, is is something that I think will will be really cool, and I I actually think it, it, it's really cool. Yeah, no, I think in that particular implementation, it's very effective, just because you're using the environment, and because something like a waterfall is so familiar, the fact that you're going down or going up one, and you see you know things, and how the angles change when you come off them, that makes a big difference. I think it's just like in the tracks where it's more sort of indoors and you're on the side of the wall like it doesn't seem like it's going to make a huge amount of difference so i guess it depends on the, the individual tracks but but yeah we'll we'll see how that shapes out um one thing that's maybe getting to me a little bit that i was hoping for is just that i really wanted them to the second they announced that there was this anti-gravity and all, all of a sudden the cars were hovering it just for some reason made me feel like they should speed up the game um, yeah, make it more F zero. Like, if you're not going to give us F zero, at least give us a quicker Mario Kart. I mean, it, it, 
from everything I've seen, and I don't know what CC these new videos appearing on YouTube um I believe a lot in. of them are at 150, so... If that's the case, then it's a little bit of a shame, because it, it seems... It seems like it's not sped up at all since the Wii version. Sure. Or uh, I mean, 7. I didn't have a problem with the Wii version uh, in terms of speed. I thought it was perfectly fine and well paced. But uh, my problems with the Wii version are just that it was, you know, it was a fucking me- like Jose Otero in uh, the recent Nintendo voice chat uh, referred to the Wii version as just a chaotic clusterfuck or something to that degree, <laughs> and I would completely agree with him on that point. Like too many races and too much shit going on you know that this one is 12 racers oh god it is save but, me please honestly regardless of the fact that it's 12 racers I honestly think that the jump from 7 to 8 is the smallest Mario Kart jump there's ever been oh undoubtedly like that is and I think that might help clear. you MBZ I mean you're, you're good at the at 7 I think we could have some 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 tight battles. I mean, maybe, yeah, you know, it, it may mean that I'm better at this game. They, it seems like they're kind of drawing elements from the Wii version and 7. This definitely feels like a mashup of those two with a couple of new elements thrown in, um, you know, because the bikes have been brought back, but they're also keeping the underwater and flying segments. So mm-hmm. those two key components of the other two games are, are in here. Um, and then they're throwing the anti-grav thing on top. Um, there what? are a couple of new items that yeah. were announced as well. Um, what do you think of those? And what so are the they? three items, as far as I'm was I was aware, are the coin. So it gives it basically gives you two coins. It's a bit boring, but I mean that's quite helpful to um, improve your top speed. Yeah. Um, there's the boomerang. Um, where right? Yeah, that looks really cool. Yeah. So you now it has a meter in the top left um, where you have three uses, and it will go down. Um, each time you use it and it will fire similar to a green shell in a straight line i don't know how far it goes it goes pretty far though and then it hits anyone in that in that radius and then comes straight back to you and it can hit people going both ways um and yeah it's great because you get three go three bites at the cherry you know like to to use that i don't know if it works backwards that would be quite cool yeah that would be interesting as well i definitely like the fact that mario kart always sticks to the theme you know the the mario theme but finds interesting ways to implement those items uh and you know the boomerang is something that's been in mario platformers for years and years and they've put it into mario kart and it's like it feels like a fresh brand new thing which i think is awesome and 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 they've really done a great job with that and they did kind of a similar thing with the this new piranha plant item right yeah that's probably my favorite out of the out of the new items i've seen um it's just really cool. I mean, it regardless of who's n- near you, it 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 always um, bites. So it constantly snaps, and it has like a certain number of snaps. And when it snaps, um, it l- lurches your car in that direction. Now the great thing about this is that if you're driving beside someone, it'll naturally home in on them, just like 3D World, and just snap at them. Um, so it's basically like a speed boost combined with sort of semi-invincibility, which is quite nice. Um, and hopefully if you can pick up that item quite high up, high up the field, um, it could be pretty powerful. Yeah, it almost seems like a star, but um, a little yeah. bit of a variation there. So, mm. so that's, cool. That's, that's cool. One more thing that is they've changed is that you can no longer 
hold so say you get a banana and you hold your banana behind you you can't pick up another banana um, if you're holding a banana behind you that's you can't pick up any items which is interesting because i think that's yeah which is that really de- stops um players in first place and second place often um just defending from like red shells and stuff like that um, yeah, because as soon as you get hit by one, you don't have one in backup to replace it with, and yeah. then c- c- keep the cycle going essentially. Because as soon as you get hit, you deploy the next one, get a new item box, and get another one stacked up. Yeah. So it really does ruin that kind of first place mentality. Yeah. So there's no more stacking. Although I think there might still be triple bananas, which um, would make sense. Um, and I've been hearing from a lot of people that the presence of the blue shell has been greatly reduced. Mm. Um, that hardly any people when they were playing. You know, for many many races, uh, got hit by a blue shell or even got access to a blue shell. Well, here's the interesting thing: is that it's the it's the new blue shell. It's the seven blue shell, which is the one that is similar to even the N64 one, where it goes along the ground and it hits people on the way and then blows up on first place, which is changes a lot for me in this game because, like I said, it's a twelve man pack. So if Definitely. you if you get a blue shell in twelfth. You can hit an awful lot of people if they're driving in the wrong um, line, racing line. So sure. it, could, it could be interesting. Maybe that's why they've they've made it a little more rare because it does even more damage to the rest of the pack. Uh huh. Definitely. I, I guess we should move on to a bit of the other announcements. Yeah, yeah. Uh, covered a good amount of Mario Kart. We'll talk about it a lot when it comes out, but uh, yeah, some, some nice mean, new info for sure. We're going to be playing it absolutely loads, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So Nintendo announced today that they're doing a, a, a Smash Brothers specific Nintendo Direct this Tuesday, 11pm GMT. That's the British time for all you Americans. Um, I can't do the maths and work out the American it's, I believe it's 6pm Eastern. Six, um, that makes sense. Okay. So, yeah. Um, what's it? What's going to be in it? Uh, well, I don't know. They're being very cagey about it. And the thing is, when people listen to this, everyone will already know. So, uh, <laughs> we're oh. just sitting here in the dark. <laughs> uh, everyone will know what they've announced. Do you think it will be on the scale of major character reveals? Or are they going to be holding that back for E3? Do you think, like... Because what I'm thinking is they're going to be talking more about compatibility between 3DS and Wii U versions and more specifics and kind of drilling down into more of that minutia as opposed to focusing on characters and items and, and the like. I agree, but I think it would be a massive mistake if they do an exclusive not exclusive direct that they're Nintendo they are exclusive but they do this <laughs> they do this um direct and not even bring up a new character I think it would, I think they will bring up a new character but but I do agree with you they'll I think they'll explain more than just items and characters it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a, an in-depth this is what this is why you need both versions I think that's the selling line of of this direct I think it's gonna be right. For those of you who have a 3DS, this are, these are the benefits. And for those of you who have a Wii U, these are the benefits. And for all of those who don't have a Wii U, which is the vast majority, this is why you have to buy one, because it links up like this, and you have to get this benefit. And it'll be, it'll be the old traditional, you have to buy red and blue, otherwise you can't get all the Pokemon kind of thing. 
Yeah. I mean, I think they could do a lot of cool things with connectivity between 3DS and Wii U. Especially, like, take into consideration Street Pass, for example. Mm. Imagine if Street Passing allowed you for, like, trading trophies or something to that degree. Or, or you know, getting trophies for tr- Street Passing with people. Uh, that would be great. And especially if you could bring it back home and then sync the data to Wii U. And have, you know, your consistent trophy collection uh, across the two versions. Um I think that would be amazing. Uh, they haven't really uh, said anything regarding whether the trophy collection will be the same in both versions or whether, similarly to how the 3DS is focusing on handheld stuff, uh, will there be handheld exclusive trophies on there and console exclusive trophies on Wii U? We don't know. Um, or even so. if they just had maybe like a unified online account. So I could be I could be Bally on my 3DS and my Wii U and when I fight online in either game... I have like a profile that all those stats go into and sure. then based on how many wins I get I might unlock something that and and regardless of whether I'm playing on on the move or on my Wii U I'm 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 accumulating something. Definitely. Um I'm not sure like to what degree they're going to go into the online and do some cool stuff but Sakurai did a great job with Kid Icarus Uprising in terms of making a very competent online uh, infrastructure. Um, and so I think that, you know, after the failures of the Wii version, he's definitely going to be striving to, to make some steps here and, and do some really interesting stuff. And especially with the help of Namco uh, behind them, it, it really does help them to kind of shape that and uh, and do do some interesting things. So um, I don't know. When it comes back to like the character reveal, as you were talking about, you think that they will at least have one character reveal. I don't think they're going to do a huge one here i think that saving like a really massive one for e3 or at least two or three for e3 is going to be their game plan but they'll maybe they'll say like oh by the way yoshi is in the game there you go because they still haven't announced him i believe right and they've not announced ness or jigglypuff um right both of which have been in all of the games up to this point sure so um, they could just make take this as an opportunity to say by the way these guys are coming back enjoy right yeah you know, I... that could be a thing but still, there's always part of me that just thinks Nintendo just have something absolutely out of this world up their sleeve. Mm. And whether that's brand new international online tournaments or something nuts like that, or you know, I can't even think of anything else. Um, you know, like cross-compatibility in terms of like being on 3DS and being able to play people on Wii U, that's something that I think is a bit outside of their sphere. But, you know, maybe... Maybe. That's a thing that, that could happen. That's true. I mean, what if... So, you could have, like, home and away. So, the 3DS um, players, you can only ever access the Wii U stages when you're playing online with Wii U players or something. Right. And, that would be and, interesting. And you think, well, I want, I want to try out those stages, so I'd better link up online. I don't know. That's that's an interesting concept. Um, yeah, for sure. That, that That could work. I mean, I don't... For them to want to talk about stuff in the direct now and not just leave it for E3 is really intriguing. It does kind of make you feel like, do they have this much more to reveal? Yeah. Like, is is Smash Brothers just this 
this treasure trove i mean it already is but how much do they have to show us really like there, there must be a, a ton of stuff because if they're doing a really focused direct uh and there's still e3 to come it kind of calls into question they're doing this direct pretty early you, you know smash brothers hasn't even got a release date confirmed maybe it's coming out sooner than we think and maybe they'll even announce a release date do you think that's feasible at this point for them to say that yeah i think that this could be a big announcement for lots of intricate things that the game does and then the the grand finale is it's coming this year i think that could be why they want to do this direct but but like i said it's very strange you would expect nintendo to do maybe a regular direct later in april with one character revealed for brawl not brawl Smash, say. smash! Okay. They need it. They need it. Like a subtitle. Yeah, right? you think like, that's something that will happen? Get a, su- a proper subtitle. I, I don't think. I don't know. Hard to say. But yeah, like I said, it's strange that it's not just a little part of a regular direct, and it's sure. it's, it's its own thing. It's really strange. Yeah, especially when, you know, you see the trend of the focus directs. They very much happen, like, weeks before the game comes out. Like the wonderful 101 direct and the Pikmin 3 direct. They they were specifically targeted for, you know, marketing purposes to a degree, where they're like, this game is coming out soon, here's some info on it. Hmm. And, you know, I don't think Smash Brothers is weeks away from being released, so... So it is, it's curious. It's definitely curious. It's a new tack they're taking. Um, I, I feel like they just want to build hype at this point. And, you know. Well, it's working because I'm really excited about Tuesday night. Now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. I'm, I'm super stoked for it. I'm, uh, we're both excited. So we'll be watching. Um, at this point, we will have already seen it by the time this episode goes up. So... <laughs> I guess we'll talk about it next time on the podcast, but uh, you know, all of you who have uh, who know what happened in it, I guess uh, you can now see whether our predictions were right or wrong, and and there you go. So yeah. hope that was uh, at least interesting. Um, so another big thing that happened recently was the uh, release uh, of Game Boy Advance games on Virtual Console and Wii U, and uh, there were three which came out uh, yesterday, which was the third. We're recording this on the fourth of April. Um, Advance Wars and uh, Mario Luigi Superstar Saga and Metroid Fusion all came out. And I know Bali, you've already bought Advance Wars. Yes, uh, um, I was really gutted that Advance Wars wasn't a part of the Ambassador Program. Um, and being a big Advance Wars fan, I was elated, to put it mildly, that um, <laughs> that it was in the first bat. It wasn't even well. It, initially, it was just Advance Wars on this day. It, what they hadn't even mentioned Fusion or. And um, I mean, initially, initially, it was only Metroid Fusion, uh, Superstar Saga, and I believe Yoshi's Island uh, on GBA that was announced. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then at that point, Japan got a. Advance Wars 1 and 2 combo announced and I was oh god that was a yeah. kick in the balls right um, Japan got all these games and we got 3 uh, yeah <laughs> so I mean I've not tried it out yet and that's really what I'm going to be playing over the next fortnight along with a bit of Nintendo Land so I guess I'll have to let everyone know what I think next time yeah what do you think about the pricing of the GBA games on Virtual Console do you think they're charging too much so I paid £6.25, and to be honest, although I've not played it yet, and apparently there's very nice manuals and added content that kind of helps out with the streamlining experience of the game, I guess. Um, but that is too much, in my opinion. Um, I would always relate GBA games to 
um, Super Nintendo games. I don't think they're graphically a whole lot different. I don't think that this, what you do in those games are a whole lot different. I mean, in Japan... They're very similar in complexity. Yeah. In Japan, Advance Wars first came out on the Super Nintendo or the Super Super Famicom. Yeah, it was called Super Famicom Wars. And, and it really doesn't look a whole lot different from Advance Wars 1 on the GBA, and I think it's a it's a shame that it wasn't £5. So maybe I'm getting a little bit too angry about an extra £1.25, but I right. mean... <laughs> It's 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 just a little bit a little bit expensive. Um, I I yeah. can't remember how much it is in U.S. dollars. Can you remember? Uh, I think maybe six ninety nine, or maybe that's your. I think maybe seven ninety nine, six ninety nine, seven ninety nine, something along those lines for, okay. for USD. Um, but yeah, I do feel it's a little above like the I'm gonna jump in and pay for it now. Uh, kind of thing, because, you know, I would probably get Superstar Saga, but, I mean, I've just recently finished playing Dream Team, and I kind of want to break from that series for a while, <laughs> after the hours I put in there. I know Superstar Saga is a much better game, and a much uh, more bite-sized game, so I'll get it eventually. Um, and Metro Fusion, one of, you know, my favorite games ever, but I I have it on 3DS, there's really no reason for me to buy it on Wii U, so I'm just kind of wasting money there. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have been praising the emulation on uh, on GBA uh, of the GBA games on Wii U and saying that there's a load of cool features. So uh, you can report back on that next time and and uh, and find out. So yeah, we'll, definitely. We'll, yeah. Um, awesome. So I guess let's just have a, a quick few comments on how we think Nintendo is shaping up before E3. Right, and I, I mean, the big question is what they're going to do in terms of the press conference, right? Because last year they, you know, bowed out and they decided to do a Nintendo Direct on the internet, which was a bad idea in my opinion. I thought it was fine for get, relating the news to everyone, but, you know, the American stream was terrible. It was super laggy and the people could hardly watch it. Um, the European one was just barely doable. And it just kind of, yeah, it wasn't very impressive uh, on their part. If they're going to do that again, they have to get it right. They have to be able to stream properly and and, and not fall under the pressure of, of all the people watching. So what do you think, Bally? Do you think they'll be uh, going on stage or do you think they'll just pull back and do a direct again? Uh, I think they'd get an awful lot of criticism if they do a direct again. Um, and... I, I, that people have said, oh, it costs a lot to do a press conference. It costs nothing if you're as big as Nintendo. It's like a few million dollars. That's a drop in the ocean with it when you're talking about companies the size of, of these companies. I think sure. it, it's a massive mistake to not do it. Um, the, this is Nintendo's time to shine in the West, and that is something they're just not doing right now with Wii U. And they have some great games lined up that they can show off and prove to everyone that they make great games and you need to buy a Wii U. And unless they've lost faith in their own development, I don't see why they shouldn't go to E3. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo's Nintendo have always been like the masters of hype and building up excitement. And one of the key, key components of that is their press conference at E3. It's always, uh, you know, been an event that I've looked forward to and Nintendo fans look forward to every year. Uh, it's when they go all out and, uh, and you know, blow our minds with the, the latest, greatest stuff they have in store. So I would be sorely disappointed if they didn't do it. And I think that they have learned their lesson. I really hope that... Uh, that they're just gonna, you know, make the right decision, do the stage show, and be done with it. So, so yeah. Um, 
And I guess, yeah, that's pretty much uh, all we have time for in this segment. But, uh, you know, some cool stuff coming up on the horizon. We're excited for all these things. And uh, and that is going to basically close out the show. So uh, before we say goodbye, uh, we are going to plug ourselves. So, Bali, where can people find you on the internet? My Twitter is at Ballyman91. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1. And that is also my name on Meverse. So go and follow me there. I might post some stuff about Advance Wars. Yeah, exactly. I've been uh, falling off the Miiverse uh, kind of posting thing in a while. I haven't really had much to play on Wii U, so that's the degree of reason why. But, uh, you know, new stuff's coming out. Mario Kart's coming out. I'll be drawing some pictures, some crappy pictures on Miiverse. So uh, you can follow me there at LordNBZ, and I'm at LordNBZ on Twitter also uh, and uh, yeah keep up to date with all the latest stuff so. and, re- and remember to give us those iTunes reviews I mean they're so important to the show if if you really and truly want this show to get, grow get better get more fans have more more communication between us and you guys then it would really really help us out Definitely. We've had one review so far, which we're really uh, thankful for. So want to get another one by next time. So That's someone, the aim, guys. That's Someone, the aim. take up the mantle. Take up the challenge. Give us a review on iTunes. And we'll give you a massive shout-out, promise. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> we should just start reading out the reviews on the show. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be closing us out. Uh, so... Um, you can always, again, a uh, reminder of the email address, which you can send emails to. Keep doing that because we have a few left, but we want some more questions. So uh, the email address is bally. NYPPQuestions at gmail.com. And uh, we look forward to your responses. But that is going to uh, be us. So thank you once again for listening. And we'll see you all next time. See you later, guys. last you the whole year if you're into things that you want to play consistently over a sorry my mic just got muted do you hear that get muted hello 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 Bally? can you hear me yeah i can hear you okay that's really weird that you muted then because i muted mine by accident at the same time what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm serious. It was really weird. I pressed it by accident, and then you went off, and I was like, what have I done? So did I. What? Okay. Jesus Christ. Holy shit. Okay. Where okay. were we?